Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Okay, just looking for Dave. I gotta ask him about that. The Protestant idea of the prophecy was the prop school, the prophets is different than what we're experiencing with all these apparitions of the Blessed Mother. So it's going to be important to talk about these things because we cannot understand the voices of heaven unless we understand what that means. Hello, Dave. Are you there? Dave? Hello, Dave. Are you there? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, so we're both here. Yes. (laughs) All right, so you had a chance to look over what uh, these topics, right? Bit, yes. Okay, so the church has had uh, quite a bit to say about what prophecy is. Can you give us an idea of church teaching about prophecy? Uh, there's there's uh, a, a couple categories. Of course, prophecy is the broader uh, is the uh, uh, is the actually restricted term. Revelation is the broader term, which includes uh, predictive as well as non-predictive information, and uh, which would not be necessarily known unless it were revealed from heaven. Uh, prophecy is, a, is the more restricted term. It refers only to that which is predictive. 
and um, we find um, the scriptures full of predictive prophecy as well as just simply revelation given to um, uh, in order to help help God's people to live according to God's will and um, so both of those terms are very important terms for the church today because predictive prophecy and uh, revelation given for us to help us to live uh, our lives uh, is a continuing um, uh, is con- is a continuing um, a gift for the for the faithful in the church today. Okay, so given that your book is called "Voiding the Voices of Heaven," is it safe to say that prophecy and prophets and revelation um, are voices from heaven that come to humanity? Uh, yes, that's uh, that's exactly true. It um, uh, and that has been a feature of of uh, the church uh, from the very beginning and uh, continues to this day. Okay, so what we don't understand, or the way that we're taught, is that there's a big difference between public prophecy and private prophecy, public visions or messages and private ones. Yes, that is true. There is a a distinction. Um, Private revelation is heaven's communication to individuals that need the particular information. It is not meant for the whole church. Uh, unless the church uh, decides it is important, as uh, much of the uh, much of the scriptures uh, is made up of private revelation that was de- deemed by the, the uh, covenant people to be public, and so it was declared part of the canon. Um, uh, but there is a distinction: uh, pr- public revelation that uh, uh, that comes to the church, meant for the whole church, uh, is uh, is uh, public revelation, whether the church announces it or not, like, uh, for instance, Fatima, that was obviously a public revelation, though the church has has uh, never declared it to be a public revelation, unfortunately, to the hurt of the church. Okay. So they were able to sidestep the public nature of that revelation by calling it a private prophecy or a private devotion? And that's that's correct. Or they did uh, they did discern it to be free of of uh, theological or moral error, and uh, left it to the any individual to determine whether it was important for them or not. That was a mistake because uh, Fatima was meant for the universal faith of the church, because it was indeed a public revelation meant for the faith of the church and meant for the church to act upon it as truly being a, a revelation of God. The church only, the church did not go so far as to say it was truly a revelation of God and thus uh, obligatory for faith. That was a very serious mistake. And so it gave a loophole, uh, although a very faulty loophole, for the church to ignore its, uh, its, um, its wishes. Okay, so then the failure in the teaching of this distinction between public and private prophecy is that uh, it shuts down a very important voice from heaven given at important time in the church. That is correct. Now, uh, what is the difficulty that the church uh, came out and said that Fatima was worthy of devotion 
Um, but they seem to be unable to determine whether it was from God or not from God. Yes, that was that was uh, where Fatim has been left. And so, in other words, the church has said it, it, anyone is free to make their own determination. And, uh, of course, we, that is obligatory for us to make that determination whether the church does so or not. And to say because the church has not determined it to be of God, we don't have to discern it is a second error. It is a it is a, it is an error upon an error. Okay. Well, there was not only the miracle of the sun that was seen by upwards of thirty thousand people from all walks of life, which proved that it was certainly not a trick by those children. Right. Uh, and that it was done in front of so many thousand people that it was certainly not private. Um, what additional information would the church need to determine that it was of God and not of the devil? <laughs> yes, that's unfortunately there. There should have been no question about it, um, but there was fear involved, and that fear. Uh, involved a uh, rejection and avoiding of the voices of heaven, and uh, we've paid the consequences of it since. Okay, so in there are different kinds of prophecies, I guess. For example, predictions, warnings, and even requests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I would use the word uh, revelation, different kinds of revelation. Uh, strictly speaking, prophecy is usually relegated to that which is prediction. So the word revelation is the broader term, and you're right. Uh, there are of uh, those various revelations from heaven uh, warnings uh, that don't necessarily uh, give us any information, but just a warning and usually to cause us to repent or whatever, which is something that we know we should do, but it is simply a warning to do so because heaven sees that we need the warning. There are also requests to be made. Uh, you take, for instance, um, our Our Lady requested of the Bishop of Mexico to build that uh, that uh, uh, church. Uh, to, the request was given to Juan Diego, and that was a request, something for him to do. Um, there's also predictions, uh, many predictions uh, that are part of revelation, and we call those prophecies because they predict the future or they forecast the future. And um, so in the case of Fatima, she predicted the rise of communism. Yes. Uh, she predicted a second world war, uh, and those were very dire predictions. Yes, if her requests were not were not fulfilled. So she had warnings for us. She had predictions. And she had requests. Yes. Which all seem to be consistent with what we know of the prophecies um, uh, throughout Holy Scripture. That's correct. Okay. Well, what uh, I'd like to talk about is the first prophecy of Genesis after the fall of Adam and Eve. Um, Didn't God... um, give us warnings, predictions, and uh, make requests at that time about the woman? Uh, Yes, Uh, the great uh, revelation there of the seed of the woman who would um, crush the head of the serpent. And, um, of course, 
Um, that woman there is certainly uh, none other, uh, none other than our Holy Mother, and um, that is exactly what the Church has always believed, and it's defensible by the grammatical grammatical structure of the sentence and the and the syntax of the sentence in uh, Genesis three fifteen. So even people who um, are hostile to uh, Holy Mary um, or refuse to take uh, any of these warnings or messages from her seriously, they too would still say that it's Mary that is meant uh, in the uh, prophecy of Genesis. Is that correct? Uh, Most uh, non-Catholics would take the view that uh, the woman there is like Israel and uh, the child is um, is the Christ child, but that cannot be defended from the from the sentence structures. Um, the woman there is Holy Mother, and the children, uh, her child, is has a secondary reference to Christ, but um, the the uh, the uh, the term the uh, term the woman is not only uh, identified as the Holy Mother, but um, we also see in Revelation 12 a repetition of the, of the woman there. And again, that's, that's Holy Mother. Uh, and um, it, it's pretty clear when you look at the, the actual Hebrew that this is, is, cannot be any other than uh, Holy Mother Mary. Okay, I know that uh, in the Orthodox, the Byzantine rite, they refer to the Blessed Mother as the Genetrix, as well as Theotokos, Mother of God and Genetrix of Salvation. That's right. And they've done that since, I mean, we've found fragments of that prayer to Mary from, you know, the first century, second century, that had risen to the level of official prayer of the Church. And so it's clear from from Scripture and the practice of the early Christians that that's exactly what they meant. So Mary was a divine sign given by God directly. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Voice from heaven. It's not like any other kind of sign. You know, we have different kind of signs that are natural. And we know Scripture tells us we see the moon and the stars and, and Jesus even talks about the weather. Uh, and those are natural signs that are in nature that God can use uh, to teach us. Uh, but there's also preternatural signs, things that are uh, people interacting with their holy angels or praying to God. And these are the kind of things that Mother Nature doesn't generally do. It's, it's a higher level of communication with God that's unique to humans. Right, and you might might want to emphasize too in the uh, Genesis text Genesis 3:15 uh the seed of the woman is usually by Protestants they exclusively pre- refer that to our lord that is not true the seed is plural and uh, also the contrast there the is between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent so humanity woman uh, woman there cannot be women in general or humanity uh, because because part of the of the seed of humanity belongs to the serpent, part of it belongs to to, to the woman, and that is of course M- Mary is the second Eve, 
uh, of the redeemed humanity, do, those are her children as much as natural humanity are the children of Eve. And now, since the coming of our Savior, uh, humanity is divided between the children of, of Holy Mother Mary and who brings, of course, into the, into the, into the family, uh, all those redeemed, to Christ, and uh, the children of Satan, or the offspring of Satan. Humanity is divided between these two groups of, of uh, human beings on the face of the earth. So it can't be the woman there cannot be uh, women in general. Okay, so in that case, uh, that was the divine action of the will of God, that Mary was going to be born, Jesus would be born of her, and that through that, salvation, she would be mother to redeemed souls. Absolutely. She's the second Eve as much as Jesus is the second Adam, and so we're in a family. Okay, okay. Uh, So therefore, the demons who knew that this prophecy was made would want to imitate and twist that. So isn't would that explain why there, there arose amongst mankind all these false idols and well, and more particularly, to de- denigrate the place of of Holy Mother Mary as mother of the, of the redeemed human race, uh, that that would of course throw doubt on the entire Catholic faith, and uh, would uh, would keep men from seeking the fullness of of a gospel truth. Okay, well that makes sense. Uh, um, so since it was a divine sign. And they knew it. Uh, uh, Israel, all Israel knew that. Uh, they were looking for the woman, the virgin that would give birth to the Messiah. They were looking for that all through the history of Israel. Isn't that correct? A virgin shall conceive it was well. Also, the pattern in the Jewish king, kings always had the mother, queen mother, as the queen uh, sitting beside the king. And uh, that was a prominent place. And that not that the queen was running the kingdom, but the queen was the one to be the intercessor. Anybody had a difficult problem would not go to the king, but would go to the queen first, and then that would, she would be the intercessor. The pattern is, is very clearly marked out all throughout Old Testament scripture in the kingdom, and it is pa- carried on in the church under divine inspiration. Okay, all right. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, uh, because Jesus himself said he would not leave us orphans. That's he correct. He gave us a mother. Exactly. To, to care for the, and, and raise us up. And the thing is, the church is a family. Scripture is very clear in that. Ephesians, it is a family. We have a new Adam and we new, have a new Eve who is the, the, the mother and father of the new human race. Okay, so um, uh, God is had decided to use his creation, which is human beings, and to restore what was lost uh, through through um, humanity. In the garden, yes, what was lost. Right, so he wasn't just throwing everything out. Uh, he wasn't going to destroy it all and start fresh. He was going to actually come into our own condition and send the woman who would give birth to the Savior and therefore redeem creation. Is yes. that correct? That's, a, that's exactly right. Uh, with a new Eve and a new Adam bringing a spiritual, 
family, bringing out of a fallen race a new spiritual family with a new head, with a new mom, new mother, and a new uh, a new uh, father. Okay, so now would it be appropriate for anyone in Israel, any of God's covenant people, to ignore or reject the idea that a woman would give birth to the Messiah? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable that there would be such uh, such a rejection, and to and to reject the uh, overtures of our Holy Mother all down through the ages in the Church, as many Protestants do, um, is a very serious offense. Um, hopefully, uh, how how God holds such accountable, we are not sure how fully accountable those are who have been raised in in false traditions. But uh, Holy Mother Mary is. Uh, the new Eve, and uh, that's a very significant. Uh, and she would be used as uh, as the queen was used to be the intermediary between the people and the king. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, you might be afraid to approach the king on your own. That's right. And uh, a little preparation might be in order beforehand. <laughs> and again, king for your visit. <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's the whole idea of family. It isn't so much that we should be afraid of God, but God just wants us to act like a family. He doesn't want to leave his his mother out. I mean, this is ridiculous. It hasn't. To, it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, that God is uh, such a uh, hard person to approach. That's not the point. The point is, it's a family. In any good family. Uh, would a father be offended that uh, children don't go to to his wife uh, for for inner, for help and for for the kind of for the kind of approach that is needed in a family? Usually, uh, you know, it's a family, and so that's the whole point here. And Holy Mother Mary has a very significant prophetic uh, revelatory uh, role has always had in the church all the way down to the through the uh, centuries. Yeah, okay, and all the way back, to, uh, in some manner, all the way back through to the... To Genesis. And Eve then, yeah. yeah. That's correct. Okay, so, so uh, Mary is one example of God using um, the material creation to bring about his will. Now, uh, you have mentioned about the 12 stones of Joshua. Yeah. Which God used... Um, uh, in order to begin creating for himself a people. Yes, the, this was a monument that uh, heaven had instructed Joshua to personally erect in the Jordan, uh, in the in the divided as the waters divided and were embanked, and the, and the individual the Israelites went across. They uh, withheld their waters until Joshua had erected this. Uh, 12-stone monument in the middle of the river so it would be hidden uh, after he had chosen individuals from each of the 12 tribes to erect that monument on the bank. So there were two monuments, and it speaks of, of two authorities, uh, the, the uh, priestly authority uh, of Israel that was ordained of God, as well as the prophets, the authority of the prophets, and they, however, were more hidden. You didn't see them. You had to go by faith. The same way in the church. The church has the apostolic authority of the continuing office of the apostles in the priesthood. And it also has a 
absolutely genuine, authentic uh, office of, of prophets. And uh, Paul is very clear on that. He says uh, that the household of God is based upon uh, the foundation, which is uh, the apostles and the prophets. Those two are also in the church, and they continue, according to Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, they will be with us until we see Christ face to face. So those are continuing offices, the apostolic office and the prophetic office. Unfortunately, there can be, um, as what happened in Israel, uh, the, the priestly uh, functions were so degenerated that they discounted the prophets and often persecuted them, and it has exactly happened in the church today. Uh, you have the priestly uh, functions, often ignoring the prophets and the revelations given by heaven to chosen vessels directly chosen by Christ. They're being ignored. And uh, we can't hide our heads. This is a fact. Yeah. And we can also say that the priesthood itself has been rejected by many people that call themselves Christians. Yeah. So so both of those stones that were uh, of Joshua, those big monuments, um, those were a sign a sacramental uh, in the River Jordan. Yeah, and they were the a sign of the two, uh, the two means by which God had chosen to guide his people, and they needed both. They needed both the priestly as well as the prophetic ministry in the nation of Israel to keep them on, you know, on, on course. And whenever they fell into sin and the priestly class was not capable of, of bringing them back to repentance, God sent prophets. And those prophets uh, were to be listened to, and when they were not listened to, disaster struck the, the nation of Israel. And likewise today, disaster has struck the church because the prophets have not been listened to. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to this thing about the 12 stones in the Jordan that Joshua put in there. When people walked across the Jordan amongst those stones, they were anointed as the true people of God and they were given the special grace to be formed by the priesthood and the prophets into the kind of people that worship God truly. Is that correct? That is correct. And and how they were how they were given that grace they were given that grace because they saw that take place. They saw it, they knew it was there and they had access to that by faith. They had access to the, the stones on the bank by sight, but access to the stones in the in the Jordan by faith. They knew that took place. Okay, and it was in a way kind of a forerunner to sacraments and sacramentals in that God used water and stone and things, tangible things. And by their walking across through there, they received a special grace from God that no one else would receive. Right. Visible signs of reality. Of the spiritual reality, which yeah. is what sacraments and sacramentals are. That's right. Right, okay. Now, um, if someone refused to go across there and wanted to enter in at some other place in the Jordan, sneak in the sideway or um, do the wrong thing without the priest and without the prophet, what would you say about someone like that, would you think that they would have been able to be part of the community? Would they have achieved salvation? Or would they have uh, mm-hmm. missed 
the special graces that are given. I think they would have uh, ended up in the drink. I mean, it's the water bank were banked up on both sides. They had to go through. They they knew it was there. They they saw the stones. They they saw that monument in the middle of the Jordan, and um, there was no excuse. So that was a sign and a forerunner for what was going to occur in the church when the, the son of Mary was born. Right. Okay. Uh, and therefore, Jesus said, you know, that uh, he's the only way to the Father was through Jesus, just like the only way to be uh, one of the people of God is through, was to walk across the Jordan with, with uh, Joshua's stones. That's the right. The only way. Okay. Right. Well, another thing that was very interesting to me uh, is you mentioned that uh, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, yes. actually had the school of the prophets. Right. Well, and that, that brings up a very interesting point because um, uh, there's not just true prophets and false prophets. There are prophets that, get, that simply are mis- uh, uh, get misdirected, and not because of malice, but because they simply haven't had the discipline and the training. Um, we're too quick often to talk, uh, call people who, who miss the mark in prophecy uh, false prophets. Um, they can be failing prophets that, fa- that get something confused. Um, false prophets are those who, in malice or out of selfish, carnal self-interest, twist the truth, mislead people for some personal gain. And um, so Samuel recognized the need of the school of the prophets to to bring about the kind of discipline, mental and spiritual discipline, in those that had these gifts to discern in the spirit so that they would, would, be, uh, would be fully listening to the Holy Spirit rather than being misled by uh, inadvertent uh, voices from other places. So he started the school of prophets, and if you look at this whole whole canon of scripture, that the scripture itself is the legacy of the prophets, all the way through. They they kept not only the prophets we think of the prophets in the scriptures, but all the history, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, and first and second Chronicles. That whole historical record of the kings was kept by the prophets and uh, preserved. Uh, the, the canon of Scripture is the legacy of the prophets. And that was the backbone of the strength of Israel backing up the priesthood. And when the priesthood got careless and uh, disobedient, uh, heaven sent more prophets and thundering prophets to, to bring uh, uh, the people back into, into, into a spiritual relationship to, to, to God. And when finally they were not listened to, great disaster fell upon the nation of Israel and upon the priesthood. Okay, so now I know that uh, the information I was looking at about the School of the Prophets was primarily, I think, Calvinist in origin. And they were talking about how um, the School of the Prophets, they think of it as a school where they learned, you know, the laws of God and, and how to behave and that kind of thing. But a prophet is a person who is delivering a message from heaven. That's that, correct. And that, there are people who have been gifted uh, and able to hear in the spirit, to see things in the spirit. And uh, the School of the Prophets simply uh, wanted to train these in discipline, spiritual discipline, 
so that they would not be misled by other voices. Uh, because in the spirit, you can pick up all kinds of things. And um, so that's why Samuel was chosen to, by God to develop that whole system of, pro- of, of prophets in the, in the Old Testament. And uh, unfortunately, the church has, not, ha- has treated its prophets uh, in the last century as bad as <clears throat> Israel did before it was led into captivity. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of a cause for alarm when you think about it. But I don't recall any particular teaching or training, um, at least when I was, you know, a kid uh, getting my catechism and that kind of thing, that even discussed prophecy, let alone um, helped people to distinguish, to understand what prophecy was, and what if, you know, God is using you in this particular way, um, um, how is it that people can speak um, for God? Um, uh, I, I think that, that any education about that, that whole process has really been dropped so that very few, if any people, even know what it means. Yes, unfortunately, and if you know the Bible prophecy about the coming false prophet and the Antichrist, that is that that event in end times is the the precise result of the failure of the church in uh, in not listening to the prophets and shutting off and voiding the voices of heaven. That is the result of this. It's it's very clear. It's the same kind of. Uh, tragedy that happened to Israel before the Babylonian, uh, before the Assyrian captivity of Israel, and then the Babylonian captivity of Judah. Later on, they did not listen to the prophets. Period. This is the whole point, and we're not talking about this. We're, we we don't want to hear it. The churches today, our priests don't want to hear it. Our bishops don't want to hear it. They want to grab all the attention. They are the the um, uh, you know the. Uh, uh, consider themselves alone the foundation of the church, and it's just not true. Paul said, "Built uh, the family of God built on the apost- on the apostles and the prophets." And the prophets. So we need both. And and basically, um, the the teaching about private revelation. Yes, relegating relegating these messages that heaven has been trying to get us to listen to, to, to private revelation has been one of the seri- more serious sins in the entire church history. It is a very serious sin. It's a, it is blasphemy, uh, and it's commonly believed. Ask most priests in the church uh, if Fatima is a private revelation. They'll say yes, it, and that means that you don't have to believe it if you don't want to. This well, is the a, consequences that she predicted are very horrendous, and also in Lasalet. That's right. Uh, and in Akita, by uh, by being a prophet, sending a message through people, um, uh, the the consequences of ignoring this are very, very dire. That's right. Uh, I, I noticed uh, one thing I found that I thought was kind of interesting. People talk about, well, you know, there's like this pro- proliferation of apparitions of Mary all over the world. But in Samuel, I found a scripture where Saul, where King Saul, uh, was trying to get uh, to, to take David, to kill David, I think. And he sent messengers, but when uh, they saw the company of the prophets, 
with Samuel. They were yes. prophesying. Uh, so then um, the messengers that Saul sent, uh, the Spirit of God came upon them, and they began to prophesy. Right. And then Saul was angry about it. He sent other messengers. Right. Instead of turning over David, they also started a prophecy. And so that happened three times. So the number of prophets proliferated because Saul refused to listen. Is that correct? Yes, we we do wonder what happened to all those other prophets that were sent. Uh, we'd be surprised if uh, they uh, they had an impact upon the whole nation. Obviously, God had a purpose for it, and uh, it uh, was rather astounding that that, uh, that event. I think of another event too, and uh, I think it was King Ahaz um, or Hezekiah. I think it was Hezekiah or Ahaz that. Um, God wanted to prove to him, I think it was Hezekiah, God wanted to prove to him that the nation of Israel would not be overtaken uh, at that time. And um, uh, and the nation was under great turmoil. It was a great, in great fear of being overthrown by the enemy. And um, heaven talked to, to Hezekiah and said, ask for a sign. I'll prove it to you. I'll, I'll demonstrate this is real so the whole nation can know and be, be confident. And Hezekiah, in real pride, Said, well, I don't. I am not worthy to ask for a sign to to authenticate your voice. And heaven was angry. Heaven became angry at him for not wanting a sign. And I'll tell you, there is no excuse in a, in a public revelation. If you want to know the truth, you have every right to ask for signs. And and you should if you have honest doubts about whether a revelation is truly of God. We're talking about. Pri- public revelations and even private revelations if God reveals to you something that you don't know is, is this from God or is it from heaven or from where else you are to ask for a sign to, if you care and want to know if it's true if you're willing to obey if, you, if God shows it to you shows to, to be true you're to ask for a sign and uh, this is what of course uh, the Bishop of uh, Mexico City did with Juan Diego's uh, message from a Holy Mother uh, he asked for a sign and he got a sign. And as a result, nine million Mexicans turned to the Lord in the next three or four years and replaced the, uh, those that he'd lost, that the church had lost in the, in the Reformation in Germany, by the way. Yeah, and overcame the uh, feathered blue serpent, Quetzalcoatl, right. to whom they were sacrificing, giving human sacrifice. That's right. So the significance of, of listening to heaven and obeying heaven, you cannot, you can't put a put a, you can't put a price on it. It's um, it's invalu- invaluable, and to dis- discount that is a serious serious sin. And uh, this is what we're living in the last uh, 100 at least 100 years. We the church has been living in great sin. Uh, our leaders have not been obedient to these uh, to, to heaven. And uh, we will pay the price. And, of course, the faithful will wake up and repent, and heaven will come in and save our next. But uh, we will pay a price for it. Yeah. Now, the uh, the sign um, that um, Our Lady of Guadalupe gave was an image of her on a tilma that should have been, you know, should have uh, withered away in, in dust right. hundreds of years ago. Right. The image on there is so miraculous. Uh, yeah. Um, 
it's beyond human explanation, especially. Yeah, no sign of paint. It's it's a very amazing. Uh, and then, of course, there were the Castilian roses uh, that appeared. And um, but see now, why here you ask this this miracle took place, and yet you still have a great numbers of Christians led by their leaders that have not told this story. We're talking about Protestants. Uh, those that are outside the, the true body, um, may be spiritually connected to Christ in a, in a way, but yet divided, and now we are left vulnerable to the wiles of Satan and uh, the Antichrist, the coming Antichrist, because uh, in division they conquer. And so we're going to suffer because we have not listened to the voices of heaven as a people of God. So when we void out the voices of heaven, we actually make ourselves vulnerable to deception. Absolutely. And if we don't listen to the true prophets, we're going to be filled with false prophets. They're going to come. They're filling the the church today. Well, they're filling the planet today. We have all kinds of people who who claim to be Jesus, uh, all kinds of people who claim to be Mary or they're channeling and Jesus said that the uh, temple of God, or was it Paul that said the temple of God, uh, the man of sin would stand in the temple of God, or the holy place. Jesus said uh, the abomination would come to the very temple of God. That's St. Peter's. And he knew yeah. the apostasy no, would come. And it's in the church. So wake up, folks. Are you listening to the prophets? Are you, are you seeking their voice out? Or staying and hiding behind the skirts of your priests who... Uh, uh, want to only make you feel good and uh, no doom and gloom for you because you don't want to bear that burden with Christ as he is being uh, as he is being re-crucified today in the church. You don't want to bear that, that burden. So you take the easy way and uh, allow Satan to overwhelm the church. Well, not only, not only the priest, um, <laughs> but uh, the Protestant portion of Christianity they have scorn for the Holy Mother right. they, they they are filled with false prophets with false signs and wonders of their own they uh, reject um, the the use God makes of sacraments and sacramental uh, material things and uh, to bring about what God promises and therefore they're, they're reverting back to a form of Judaism that probably never even existed. That's that's correct. It's, um, but, uh, you know, it. Uh, this is something that the human, human heart has been plagued with from the beginning, a, um, a lack of real dedication to God and uh, we will pay a price and uh, hopefully those who with uh, with hearts that uh, still have something of the love of Christ, will come to full faith. And uh, God's going to see it happen. And he, of course, will convert the remnant of Jews, and that will really truly bring a glorious day for the church. So we're looking forward to that and uh, pray for all those that uh, are, are uh, in confusion up to this point. Right, right. Okay, so now what we would expect, is like from the School of Prophets, from Samuel, is that the messages of, of any prophet um, would be the kind of things that would educate the people, 
teach them how to be uh, devoted to God. Um, That's right. Necessary actions to be taken in order to correct the the difficulties of spiritual declension that they found themselves in. And uh, some will say, well, since we already know this, we need no other, other voices from heaven. This is simply not true. It's not been true in the past. As things got worse in Israel, the, the prophets multiplied because heaven knew they needed them. And so um, th- this can't be an excuse. Uh, this is an excuse for not listening to heaven and wanting to go one's own way. And um, um, so we, we need these voices, and we need them more so today with the confusion. And well, devotion was almost totally lost. Um, I mean, not only, I mean, even though Martin Luther prayed the rosary and he believed in the teaching um, of the church about Our Lady, um, the uh, the Protestant Reformation, they broke away from all devotions that were practiced in the church. Um, and even at Vatican II, devotions like to the Stations of the Cross and the Holy Rosary uh, and the use of sacramental just fell off like a stone. Right. And so we lost the intimacy with the divine that a school of prophets helped the Israelites have um, and the uh, uh, the devotion that families could teach to their children and to bring them closer to God. And then we lost that right, probably. Right. When we needed it the most. Right. That is for sure. Now, is the, um, I know that um, traditional Catholics are relying very, very heavily on the things that were uh, taught infallibly through the magisterium and through the papal office uh, and through what's in Scripture in order to keep themselves from being deceived by false prophets and that kind of thing. Um, uh, yet at the same time, and, they, and I think they understand the incredible importance of the woman clothed with the sun, which is in Revelation, but it's also who Our Lady was in, in uh, Fatima. Uh, but they also... And at... And at uh, uh, in Mexico City and uh, right. our, our Lady of Guadalupe, the woman clothed with the sun. Right, per- right. Per- perfect picture of Revelation 12, and that should interpret that to anybody with any kind of spiritual understanding. The Revelation 12 and Our Lady is, is Our Lady, uh, uh, Queen of Heaven, Mary, Mother of, uh, Mother of God. Yeah. So the the problem though is that uh, this this um, failure uh, to obey Our Lady at Vatican II, uh, the failure to release the third secret in a timely manner. Yes. Uh, and the effects of um, communism and the wars and so forth um, have have started to create some very serious divisions amongst the people of God. Um, that are only equal to what happened at the Reformation and how right. they split up. And and so they're relying on uh, the pre-Vatican II teaching to guide them, but then uh, they, they won't 
listen to anything that is slightly off of there. So, for example, Medjugorje has been a huge source of grace for millions of people. Yeah. Uh, but since the children don't necessarily get every single thing right, or the uh, the children themselves are used as a filter for messages, or even sometimes Our Lady uh, seems to be saying things that that are are more like Vatican II, uh, then they like, reject that source of grace. Yeah, like like in the uh, uh, Our Lady is very um, a very um, or can I say, uh, very uh, ecumenically minded, and so was Christ. Look how he treated the the pagans. Uh, he even talked about, on a couple occasions, two pagans had more faith than all the rest of the children of Israel, including his disciples. I mean, so just because a person is a non is a non Christian or a pagan doesn't mean he is not ha, doesn't have virtue, because uh, the spirit of God can work in hearts in strange ways. And um, now, if, if, if Christianity has not become the universal religion, uh, the world will descend into hell on earth. And um, despite all the good efforts of, of good pagans, because it doesn't have strength. And uh, pagan religions don't have the strength of full faith and of the full truth. There's always some truth in, uh, in other religions, but it's not going to be the kind that will bring peace on earth. And it will not be the kind to um, uh, to uh, keep the earth from descending into a hell uh, right. on earth. Not uh, the kind that brings the sacrament of, of uh, the Eucharist, Christ right. with us, within us, right. to people either. That's like, uh, that's the premier, the premier means by which God remains with us in time and eternity right. is the sacraments. So um, uh, by uh, um, we have to believe that God is seeking to save souls right. based on the incredible sacrifice that he gave in the first place. Right. Now, now the sacraments, something needs to be said about that. They're not just automatic things. Just because a person takes communion doesn't mean he's going to be spiritual. But they were meant to make us spiritual. If indeed the body and blood of Christ is literally there and the spirit of, of, of Christ is, is, is within those elements, uh, and it is, what a motivation for holiness. Um, but on the other hand, if you take it unworthily, it's not going to produce spiritual fruit. Produce condemnation. That's right. So it's not some kind of a magic rabbit's foot, uh, but it is a reality, whether you believe it or not. And when you believe it, truly believe it, it will make a profound effect in your life. And that's what heaven wanted it to do. That's why he gave us the sacraments. Because if they're taken seriously, they do supercharge uh, us uh, spiritually. They, they can, I can't help but do it. Right. Okay, so people that are just kind of going through the motions or believe that the church should succumb to modernist movements in the world are making a huge mistake then. Oh, my goodness, yeah. When when the sacraments are taken unworthily, out of faith, 
it's a desecration. And it brings judgment. It brings judgment. That's why we are facing the, the false prophet and the Antichrist. He- heaven has got to judge the church. It's going to happen. And there will be a separation. Uh, God will test us all. We will all find out how short we are. And uh, we will have an opportunity to go come back to, to, come back to a full faith. And uh, that's really how heaven uses uh, the tragedy that we bring on ourselves to actually bring us back. So it's it's something that, um, it's a two-edged sword. What uh, was meant for Satan, for, for evil by Satan, can also be brought, used to bring men back into the fold. So that's how heaven is going to use this whole whole serious crisis that we're facing today, which will only increase until until there's lots of tears to make up for so many dry eyes in the last century in the church. Yeah, goodness. Okay, Dave, so now this, um, uh, we've got through those. I've got a few more that we're going to have to do one more session on. Okay. Okay, and um, uh, we got to bring it home and, and perhaps talk about the Pope, you know, who... Uh, is going to you know uh, John the twenty third I think was and at that time decided not to release the third secret at the right time and the official voiding of the voice of heaven but so um, what I'll do I don't know if we got time tomorrow night but I'll I'll do another one I'll send you an email with those questions on there yes and by the way did you read that uh, that those pro- those uh, messages that were written down by Pope John the twenty third and how up to a certain point, up to 1960, they were genuine, and then how they they were changed. Oh, gosh. And the thing is that those... That oh, my gosh. Exactly what, Clear. exactly what New Age religion is talking, exactly what the Red Dragon family is talking, exactly what... Um, uh, I, yeah, uh, it, that's, it's shocking. It's yeah, you, you read that, that, that text? Did you I was read? looking at it, yeah. Yep. I did, oh. I read it. That's really something. So, um, all right, look, they're, we're, they're going to cut us off a couple minutes. Why don't I just call you at home? Okay. Uh, okay. And um, I hope that this thing recorded correctly. It looks like it did. but uh, Very good. Uh, uh, that'll give me, you know, some material to work with and start patching this thing together. Very good. Uh, so I'll call you in a few minutes. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.